You are listening to the Chasing PRs podcast. Have you ever wondered if that pre-run stretch is helping or hindering your performance? Well, in today's episode, we are diving deep into the secrets of flexibility and mobility. Do they help you to run faster? Do they really help you prevent injuries? Well, trust us, the revelations today might just transform your next run. Stay tuned. Hi, we are your hosts, Rochelle Weeks and Diego Alcubierre, and with over 20 years of combined experience in coaching and physiotherapy, we created this podcast to help everyday runners who want to make the most out of their training and achieve new personal records while managing work, family, and life outside running. Welcome. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing PRs. I am Diego. And I'm Rochelle. And today we're talking about, I, I think I say this every time, a controversial topic. <laughs> we like most topics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's stretching versus mobility. What are the difference? Where can you do one or the other? And I think it's going to be an interesting episode. Uh, we're going to focus on um, performance, right? Yeah. If, they, if they help on performance and if they help on injury prevention. That's like the main things we we want to stretch or do mobility exercises. So we're going to focus on that. But as usual, before we start, our chasing sprints this week, we're going to do like an update of mm -hmm. our past athlete of the week. And Richelle has all the details about that. Yeah, we talked about Brianna Scott on a podcast last month, I believe because she's been running so well and she just got named to the world championships team in the 5,000 meters. So I believe this is her first time making a national team. Okay. And those championships, I have the information here, are in Budapest from Saturday, August 19th to Sunday, August 27th. Yeah. And there, if I read correctly, earlier today, there are only 50 Canadian athletes going and one of them is Brianna Scott. We like her a lot because she's embodied the concept of this podcast. She's a great runner and she's a mom. Just 15, mm -hmm. mo 15 months ago, she became a mom and she's going to the world championships. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, maybe we, we can ask Dan, our friend, to be our official corresponsor of the Chasing PRs podcast in Budapest because he's going. Yes. She has some good uh, footage and videos and pictures. Exactly. Some insights. We'll live vicariously through them. <laughs> um, and we, uh, our athlete of the week is a little overdue because it was like, I have the date here. It was on July 21st, the last time she did it. But we had different episodes. We had the interview with Jessica and last week, I don't remember. We had another very, uh, we had Bekel as an athlete of the week. So it's a little overdue, mm -hmm. but we have a great athlete of the week this time. You want to pronounce his her name as always? Yeah, it's Faith Kipigan. I think that's how you say your last name. Yeah, we hope. We hope it is. Yeah. It's, I think it's a very good guess. Uh, but what did she do? She's She's been cr running crazy fast. So in the span of a little, mo a little over a month and a half, she broke three world records. Yeah. See, that's crazy. Let's start. So she broke the... 1500 world record 
in Florence in June 2nd. And she she ran in three minutes and 49 seconds. So pretty fast, right? Mm -hmm. Do you want to run 1,500 meters in 349? I don't know if I can bike it. <laughs> Maybe if I really hard, I can bike it. And you, you start with a head, with a, you start with a head, so you already start with uh, some speed. Maybe, yeah. maybe we then can maybe achieve I can that. Beat her. Yeah, I got her in that case. Then, just seven days later, on June 9th, she broke the 5,000 meters world record, and she ran it in 14 minutes and five seconds in Paris. That's crazy fast. Yeah. Sometimes. I feel the difference between men and women in shorter distances are are greater in percentage than in longer distances. For example, if you see uh, Courtney DeWalter, what's her last name? Yeah, DeWalter. Oh, fuck. I did it. A trail running goat. Yeah. she She's really close in percentage because there are hours and hours, 16, 24 hours running. In percentage, she's really close to the top men. And, and she often beats they, the norm. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, in the marathon, women are like 15 minutes off. So in percentage, that's, it's not that much. But in the 5K, I was searching the men's world record. It's in 12 minutes and, and change. So there's a lot of improvement there, maybe. And then on a little over a month later, on July 21st, she broke the one-mile records in four minutes and seven seconds. I knew about this record because... Women are really close to breaking the four-minute mile, mm -hmm. and she improved like for by four seconds the previous uh, record. It was Sifan Hassan, another person we love. Uh, she set the world record in 2019 in four minutes and 12 seconds, and this Faith did it in four minutes and seven seconds. So five seconds almost faster, like that in yeah, a few years. So. Huge. That's really cool. So that's why she's athlete of the week. I would love to know if she has kids. That would be awesome. <laughs> I I think two things about Faith. One, I really hope she does a marathon one day. Because this speed and the shorter distance, I think if she turned her attention to the marathon, we could see world records in the longer distance go down as well. Like road racing distances, not just track. Yeah, that would be awesome. And two, if you follow her, she has just the most lovely support group of fellow competitors so okay. she'll finish her races and all the women she's racing against freak out and hug her because she just broke the world record and they get group pictures and they're all carrying her like you know when the the groom gets married and all the women hold the, him like horizontally yeah, yeah they're doing that with faith wow and they've it just seems like such this they're not just adversaries and trying to beat each other like they finish and then they're all so excited for her and she she must be a very cool kind of down-to-earth person for everybody to feel like that because everybody seems to celebrate her win like every woman on the track that's wow. racing her events it's really yeah, cool. that's really cool I, I should follow start following her on instagram and i think that's that's something in the running world right it's like that the support and the camaraderie that <laughs> That I that I see in the running world, it's it's not common in other sports. Like, if you see another person succeeding when you're running, you are happy and you strive to beat them or whatever. In mm -hmm. other sports, I don't see that kind of support. Yes, That's... it's not the same. I think running is is often about like bettering yourself. Yeah, 
And when you see someone yeah. achieving great things and you know them for a few years or for some times and you say, okay, they're having breakthroughs, maybe I can have, you see them more as a motivation than as a competition or being jealous. And that's one of the things I love about running for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now let's go to our running weeks because, because you had a very big running week last week. Do you want to tell us about it? I did. I, I might have done something stupid though. Okay. So, <laughs> I always say to people, do as I say, not as I do. I just, do you ever run through a cold? Like yes. you have a cold and you're like, oh, should I run today? Should I not run today? So I had a cold like the week before last, really. And then Monday was a rest day. And then Tuesday, I was like, oh, should I run today? And I was like, my energy levels feel good. I feel fine. I'll just go try a run. I won't do speed. So I ran and it was fine and it didn't make my cough worse. Like it was all just a dry cough. Okay. And then Wednesday, same thing. I'm like, I don't feel worse after running yesterday and my energy levels are good and no fever or anything like that. So I ran again. And then Thursday I went to track and Friday I went to soccer and, you know, Sunday I'm like, I'm supposed to do 30K today. Should I do 30K? And like, if I do 30, I'll have 80K done for the week. I feel like I could. So then I went and did it. And then after that, I was like, oh, I don't know if I should have done that. Like I felt <laughs> my cough got worse and the run was awful. Like it was probably the hardest long run I've ever done. I wanted to stop so bad. It was just my legs felt like lead. And I was thinking, yeah, this is, I probably shouldn't have, but it was like the deeper I got into the week, the more I was like, oh, I could really make this week count because this week we have peaked relay races and next week we're going on a canoe trip. So this was like my last chance to have a good solid week for a couple of weeks. Okay. So I kind of pushed it. So I did a 30K long run, 80K weekly mileage. My speed work on Thursday sucked because it was hot and I was just tired and my breathing wasn't great because I have well, a super humid month, so. also, right? Yeah. Humid. Yeah. It was just like crappy speed session. So now I took yesterday off, which is Monday, and I'm going to take today off. And I might even take tomorrow off because I feel like after a rest day yesterday, my cough is a little bit better. Okay, but I think you can see it in two ways. One, you're gonna you're gonna rest because it it's not getting better, yeah. right? But if you rested last week, maybe it was better today. But you also rested last week, so you just changed resting days from one week to to the other, and you accomplish a big a big weekly mileage. Uh, and the other one is you're probably going to re remember that long run at the end of the marathon. Yes. Yeah. I was running with my friend, Matt, and we did Cornwall. We ran most of it together. And in the last 5K, he's like, I'm getting Cornwall vibes. <laughs> so how, how hard it was in the last five kilometers of the marathon in Cornwall. And I was like, yeah, this is good character building. This is good mental practice because we didn't. We stopped at one section where it was a really steep uphill and there was like one and a half K left. So we walked up the hill and then we kept running. Okay. And because uh, it was so hot and we were both out of water. But we did run. We finished at a pub, the Cheshire Cat Pub. I love pub, oh, yeah. <laughs> we went in there and had food and beer. And so that was, it made up for the shitty run. Yeah, but maybe physically it was maybe not the smartest decision, but mentally yeah. it's going to be you build toughness and resilience for sure. Yeah. And this had to be a recovery week anyway, because with Peak to Brew, and I was going to try to still like smush in 60K this week, but now I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I am like going to rest so I feel good this weekend and I can actually race. So 
Cool. Hopefully it'll work. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I love these these chats about our weeks because I think they're very honest and open and people can see how we manage things and how we don't always do the best thing. But yeah. uh, we're trying to do our best with having kids and a full-time job. And um, yeah, sometimes you, you're going to remember this 80K week when you were not feeling well and it was, okay, this running a marathon in three hours and change is nothing compared to suffering or going through yeah. that week. And now I feel like I've got the mileage and the long run there. I don't need to build anymore in the near future. I need to get my speed up big time. So I'm just going to leave the mileage. I'm not going to crank it up to 90 anytime soon and do longer than 30. I just need to get some solid speed sessions in now. Are you planning, if you're feeling better, to start adding some marathon pace inside the long runs now that you... Yeah. If I feel better, I'm going to do that next week. Like after Peak to Brew, I'll do it. Okay. Following week and see. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's see uh, how I have a very interesting experience or a story about my, my week. I, have, I had a very good week. I also hit 80 kilometers. But it, the, the, the difference between our trainings is that my longest run was 24 kilometers. Mm -hmm. And yours was 30. So there's different ways to skin a cat. <laughs> Not a pig. <laughs> Not a pig. Anyone didn't listen to that episode, they're like, what the hell are they talking about? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I want to compare two, 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 two trainings. One, I went camping last week, so I had to go really early on Tuesday morning to do my run, and I did 15 kilometers. But I, I tried to have the best running, training run that I could. So I slept great. I used my super, super shoes. Uh, the best shoes I had, I used them. I, it was cold. It was like 12 degrees. And I also took a pre-workout that we talked about pre-workouts last week. So it, everything like was perfect. So I went, ran 15 kilometers, as, not as fast as I could because it wasn't that good. But I, I wanted to run it fast because I need to come back and pack up the car and do everything and, and, and hit the roads. So I end up running 15 kilometers in one hour and 11 minutes, zone two, low zone three. I felt perfect, right? And I say, okay, my training is starting to really click. Two days later, on Thursday, I ran 14 kilometers, so one kilometer less, in one hour and 12 minutes, so one minute slower, and I felt like crap. Isn't that so annoying? <laughs> it's super annoying, and that, that, that's, that's part of the story. It's like, if I took that training into, into consideration, I, will, I, I could start thinking like, oh no, I'm doing something wrong. My training is not going as I, as I wanted. Um, maybe I'm overdoing it. Maybe, maybe I'm, over, I'm overtraining. Maybe I'm, you, you start to question everything, right? Mm -hmm. Or I remember two days before and I felt great. And if you start to see like the, the small differences between the, the runs, you start to, to realize why. So the second run, I didn't have my best shoes. I slept in a tent, in a camping tent or a tent for two nights. You don't sleep that well as when you're in your house in your nice mattress at perfect temperature. Uh, and it was 13 degrees hotter. Okay. So there are big difference. So, and I didn't have my pre-workout. So there's four big differences from my Tuesday workout that is what, okay, one, 
one training thing session doesn't make or break your success or or or, or your or your plan. And the other is like to be really aware of the circumstances of your runs. Because if you are comparing one run that had perfect circumstances to run and one that had terrible circumstances to run, and you compare those two, you are going to set up yourself for frustration and questioning everything. So I just wanted to make that example because it took me a while. I suffered that run. I stopped a lot. I ended up stopping at like a gas station to buy a Gatorade. And um, I... But in that, in all that time, I started, okay, let's, let's be honest or be, let's be realistic. And what are the circumstances of this run? And I just wanted to share them as an example of um, maybe you're going to have great runs. Maybe you're going to have bad runs, but look at the weathers, for example. In this case, what? 13 degrees of difference was a huge. And sometimes I think you have a bad run and like everything lined up perfectly. You had great weather, good night's sleep, great fueling, hydrated, ready to rock. And then you have the terrible run Yep. and there's no reason for it. And I, I usually tell people as long as it's a one-off, like if all of a sudden, like for two weeks, every run you've had just sucks, mm -hmm. there's something you're either brewing an illness or you're overtraining or you're not recovering well, something's going on. But if you just, it's normal to have these kind of one-off runs and I find when you talk to a lot of marathon runners often the last long run before the race goes horribly and it makes and sense this is you up mentally yeah but it makes sense you're being training three four months like crazy and you're ready to taper and just go to the race yeah. and I think it's it's also important maybe to remember that uh, there are a few different ways to see if you're overtraining or if you are overdoing things okay if you're feeling like crap and you run that's one I love to monitor my resting heart rate. That's another huge parameter to, to read. So my resting heart rate last week was super low, the lowest it's been in, in a few years. So, okay, that, it's not there. If you are sleeping like crap also, that's another symptom of uh, overtraining. So you need to, it's not one thing, right? It's not, oh, my resting heart rate is high. Oh, my run went terrible. Oh, I'm sleeping terrible. If two or three, two or three of those things start to, come up, maybe you're overtraining, but if it's just one, we all have those days. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right. I totally agree. Okay. Now let's move on into flexibility versus mobility. We, we started chatting a little before the, <laughs> before, before the episode, because it's one of those topics that we don't completely agree on. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah, let's start. Totally okay. Let's start by defining what's the difference between stretching and mobility, because I see a lot of people use the term uh, interchangeably. I'm getting yeah, better in my words. Pick one word, the one they like, the word they like, and they use that no matter what they're yeah. doing. But if you get into the nitty gritty of it, flexibility, mm -hmm. it's the passive movement of soft tissues so soft tissue would be like your muscles and your tendons mm -hmm. and passive means you're not using your muscle actively and contracting it to do the movement so picture like lying on your back and you're doing a hamstring stretch with your leg up in the air and you take a yoga belt and you throw it around the arch of your foot and you pull on that belt with your knee straight and you're really trying to like get a good hamstring stretch mm -hmm. that's passive because the belt 
and your arms are doing the work. There's like an external force involved. Okay. So, or if trying, you like. Uh, trying to touch your toes or the floor, it's a passive stretching also. Yeah, because you're using gravity. That's a good point. Like you're not using it. It doesn't have to be an object, but you're using gravity and your body weight to like lean down and kind of hang there. Same with like pulling your foot towards your bum to stretch your quad. Mm -hmm. So you're passively stretching the quad and the hip flexors, which is a flexibility exercise. Okay. Whereas mobility, usually you're, act well, not usually, you are actively working through the range of motion and it can involve the muscles and tendons, but then also like your joint range of motion, like how mobile your knee joint and your hip joint is. Mobility, the big difference is mobility demands strength and motor control. Whereas like flexibility, like you're standing there like a. Yeah. Like I could, I could work on your flexibility for an hour as a physio. I don't do that because I don't, we'll go on to talk about that. <laughs> um, but I could like have you lay on the plinth and straight leg raise you up in the air and hold it there for a minute and do all this stuff. And you're just, you can have a nap. You're just laying there. Yeah. Not doing anything. Um, whereas more mobility, your muscles are like actively involved in the process. Okay. That, that's the difference, okay? So that, that, that was really important to clarify because we're going to talk about flexibility and mobility and you need to let, know the difference. Uh, why do people think they need to be more flexible? Or ca how ca can we define the difference between flexible and mobile? Flexibility, you picture like your gymnasts and your yoga instructors where they can, you know, you ask them to bend over and touch the floor and they can go palms to the floor with their knees straight. Yep. Um, or they can like the couch stretch where you, you kind of kneel on the floor. It's hard to explain, but you put your foot behind you on the couch in a bent knee position and you're able to stand upright because your hip flexors aren't too stiff. Yep. That's more flexibility. Mobility involves a wide range of things, but say like doing bum kicks, your ability to actually get your heel up towards your bum is mobility. High knees, the ability, like I might be able, if you lay on your back, I might be able to stretch your knee up to your armpit and have full range. But then if I ask you to do high knees by yourself and you can only get your knee to your hip height, standing up like jogging on the spot high knees, then you lack mobility, even though the flexibility is there. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that, that I think that's because mobility demands strength and motor control. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you can be super flexible and not be mobile. You can be mobile and not be super flexible. Yeah. Uh, as runners, talking about performance and injury prevention, we should focus more on mobility than flexibility. Mm -hmm. Do you want to explain why? Yeah, flex flexibility... Stretching is built into the culture of running. Like if you go on any running forum on Facebook or social media and type in that you've injured your Achilles or you've got runner's knee and you get 150 responses, 120 <laughs> of them are going to be telling you you don't stretch enough. Okay. Completely built into the culture of running. But I think, the, the, sorry, I interrupted, but I, don't you think that's part of the misconception of not knowing, using the term interchangeably mobility and flexibility that maybe some people are referring to mobility when they're referring to flexibility sometimes definitely but a lot of times people are picturing these like with flexibility you it involves usually static stretching 
So you're getting into a position and you're holding it for like 30, 40, 60 seconds. And when I first moved to Ottawa, I had the running room ask me to come do a session on stretching. And they got a very different presentation because I think they were expecting to like, <laughs> get them all stretched and hold for a minute. And I just basically went on a rant about how we're too obsessed with stretching and dynamic mobility is, is great to do before you run as opposed to these big, long stretches. Um, but yeah, the flexibility, the problem with being overly flexible, the best runners in the world have strong, springy, stiff muscles and tendons. Well, you... They cannot bend forward and put their palms to the floor usually. Um, I'll give you Paula Radcliffe as an example. She was the world record holder in the women's marathon before Bridget Koskai took it a few years back. And they measured her sit and reach test where you sit with your legs out straight and you try to touch your toes. Yep. And throughout most of her career. And the faster she got, the shittier the test got. <laughs> so the further she was away from touching her toes. And when she broke the world record, it was the worst it had ever been. And so we, we don't want to be super loosey-goosey and flexible because you have to be really strong and have fantastic motor control to control that flexibility. So the more flexible you are, the stronger you need to be. Yep. And because you're loose and flexible, your tendons and your muscles need to work a lot harder and then you're more likely to get overuse injuries yep. because they're working harder than the runner who's got more stiff springy like um muscles and tendons like if you look at if anybody's on a, in a track club or in a running group group and you think of the best runners there um they are very their ground contact time it's like so quick and spring-like like very springy and light on their feet yeah flexibility doesn't give them that that's coming from strength and stability and motor control and being like good with plyometrics and that sort of thing. Yeah, and having a good range of motion that we're going to go into it into in mobility. And I think there are, for example, yoga teachers are super proud or being super flexible, and that's fine. What we're trying to say right here is that what will help you to become a better runner? And you can't have the, come on, bake the cake and eat it too? What's that? You can't have your cake and eat it too. Thank you. I need the list of all your sayings on this. I, I, I want to write that like a pamphlet or a like small book about sayings, and I'm going to translate a lot of sayings I know in Spanish to English. Yeah. Um, but you can't. You can't be a good runner and flexible, right? If you want to be a great runner, don't do yoga. That's that. It's not going to help. If you want to, that's perfect. If you want to be a great yogi and a regular runner, you 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 can do it. But it's we're talking about performance and improving and achieving new PRs. And in this case, flexibility, it's not the answer. And I've, I've met runners, like there's this yoga with Adrian that every runner knows about it. She's on YouTube and has like millions of followers. Yep. And she's got like a short mobility, flexibility sequence for runners. Mm-hmm. It takes like 15 minutes. And I've met runners that do that three, four times a week and it feels really good and they enjoy it. And they're not super flexible because they're not, pounding their body with yoga hours a day, that's fine. But if you're into yoga because you want to like dedicate to it and get really good at yoga and become super flexible and you're spending two hours a day practicing it, that does not go well with marathon training. Exactly. And I think you, 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 you mentioned a really important point. If you stretch for 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, 
it's not going and you run, you are not going to become more flexible because one compensates the other, right? If you run a lot, you're going to get stiff and if you stretch 10, 15 minutes, you're not going to elongate or be in that stretch enough time to contra, how can I say? To like counteract the, yeah. Um, right. yeah. The running. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So that's important. No, because you're, you're stretching 10, 15 minutes. It doesn't mean you're going to get more flexible and you're going to affect your, your running. Um, it's, it's these super long and an hour, two hour sessions of stretching that can start compromising your running. Yeah. But now let's go into, into, into mobility because if you don't have, if you have poor mobility, you can compromise your running performance. Yeah, and there's mobility. Like if we think about joint mobility, so think of how well your hip joint moves and your knee joint and your ankle joint and your big toe even. If there's restrictions in joint mobility, this can actually alter how you run and either slow you down or give you injury. Yep. Um, so if we take each hip, each joint, for example, That's right. in the hip, um, if you picture when you're running and say you're running hard, and you're going to push off, like picture your right leg and, and the foot is back behind you and you're about to propel off that leg. So if someone was just about to take a picture of you, they'd see this nice line that's straight from you, like your torso, your hip, your knee is straight and your foot is pointed. Your hip at that point should be extended a bit, like it should be back behind the torso, backwards. Yep. If you don't have good hip extension, which involves hip mobility, and it's really tight, like say your hip flexors are really guarded and tight, you can no longer get into that hip extended position. And so even if your glutes and hamstrings are nice and strong, you can't get into the position where you propel yourself forward and use that strength. And the perfect example is when I see all these videos of these awesome old people breaking records on the track. And it's like, 100 meter dash, 95 year old completes 100 meter dash. You see it on Instagram. Yeah, and if you look, often the biggest change that happens as we get older is we lose hip extension because our hip get, is becoming less and less mobile. Yeah, they and look more like, like they're shuffling. Yes. Exactly. They've got these tiny little baby steps. Yep. And their cadence is like 220 because <laughs> <laughs> they're actually running quite fast, but they don't have hip extension. So they can't be, because as we get old, we do lose mobility in our joints, especially if you don't work it. There was one video, I should see if I can find it and post it, but the guy that, the man that won it, he beat everybody. And I was watching and it was like, he has hip extension and his strides were so much longer and more powerful than, and he beat everybody by quite a bit. It was like 400 meter race and okay. he was way, way out in front. And the number one thing you detected was that hip extension. Yeah. That mobility. Oh, see it. Like if like others in the race weren't even hitting neutral. They weren't even straight from their torso to their thigh. Okay. But he was actually getting into a bit of hip extension. So that's a good example. And a lot of people, like you'll see on Instagram, if you sit all day, your hip flexors are going to get tight because it's in a shortened position. I test people's hip flexor length often in the clinic. I get people who are desk jobs. They sit eight, nine hours a day and their hip flexors are fine. Okay. So just because you have a desk job, what do you think can, can affect your hip flexor mobility? Say that again. What do you think can affect, if it's not sitting, why do so many people have tight hip flexors? I, I think if we just, if people don't go into hip extension ever, 
Like if okay. they're not doing any mobility stuff, if they're not like sprinting is a great way to get into some hip extension because you've got longer strides and you've got to propel backwards and certain other sports where you'd get some hip extension. I think it's just lack of using it. Okay. Uh, but it is true. Like sometimes if you sit a lot, that can make it tight and, and you don't have good mobility and then you work on it and you stretch it and mobilize it and then it comes around nicely. I think you you mentioned something really important that if you don't have enough, in, you are talking about hip mobility, you need to become like stronger to compensate that lack of mobility. Mm -hmm. Right. And I have a perfect example about shoulders. I'm a terrible swimmer. Once, because I started swimming at 30. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I know how to swim, right? But I didn't swim or swim. You couldn't do laps. Exactly. I've done it in yeah. my life until I got into triathlons at 30 years old. So I'm not good at it. And so I was super frustrated because I was training and training and training and training and I wasn't getting any faster. And the number one thing that happens to me when I'm swimming is that my shoulders get tired like in 20 seconds. So I said to myself, I'm going to do a lot of strength training. So I did a lot of strength training in my shoulders, my, my triceps, my biceps, my back. I strength, 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 strength. And I, I improved, but no at the rate I wanted or the effort I was putting into the training. And when I took my personal trainer certification, I started learning about mobility and all that stuff. And I, I started to do some tests with my shoulders and I have the worst shoulder mobility you can imagine. I started working on my shoulder mobility and my swimming started to improve mm -hmm. a lot. The number one thing was that my shoulders wasn't, weren't getting that um, tired. And that was because I didn't need to put so much effort and strength into my arm swing because I was mobile. So it wasn't that hard to, to do it. And obviously I've been applying that to, to running now and focusing a lot on my hip uh, extension for sure. Yeah, you stopped having to fight that mobility restriction and try to force the range. Exactly. With strength, yeah. that it, it's way easier. It's, it's easier because mobility, in my, in my experience, takes time to yeah. really gain a good range of motion. Uh, but the, the benefits are way better than a strength. In this case, there, mm -hmm. there are going to be cases where strength is your weakest link. But if mobility is your weakest link and you try to compensate it with strength, you are only making it more, less mobile. <laughs> yeah. And it's like a vicious cycle. And okay. sometimes you can combine, like you can get a good strength exercise. Sometimes, not always. That also works mobility. Like this is one of the reasons I love Bulgarian split squats. Because okay. if you think of the leg that's not squatting, but the leg that's back on your couch or your bench or whatever. It's extending a lot, yeah. When you go deep. You're getting, especially if you keep your body upright and you don't lean forwards, you're getting lovely hip extension. Yep. You're also strengthening your quads and your glutes and you're working on balance. This is why I'm obsessed with that exercise. <laughs> That's awesome. And I know it's, a, it's really cool that people start to understand the, the why uh, of we recommend some exercise or you specifically recommend some exercise. It's not just because, because, right? It's because there's something behind it. In this case, you just explained the yeah. Bulgarian split squat. Um, let's not go that deep <laughs> into, all day. Into, <laughs> into knee, ankle, and I think big toe, you need to explain why having big toe mobility is important. Okay. So very quickly with the knee, 
The yeah. big thing is not being able to fully extend your knee, fully straighten your knee. Because if you can't fully straighten your knee joint, your quad can't engage as well. Okay. Um, that's one. Ankle, the big one would be bending it. If you don't have good ankle flexion, so say you've sprained your ankle a bunch of times and now your ankle's really stiff, you might struggle going uphill because it involves more of an ankle bend and you might not even realize you're struggling, but then the other body parts are trying to compensate and do weird things because you don't have the mobility to run up the hill. And then the big toe, if you okay, sit... Okay, wait, 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 wait a second. Yeah. Before you go into the big toe. Yeah. Having poor knee mobility and ankle mobility, the number one thing is that it affects your running form. Yes. Or, okay. And if that affects your running form, you start to compensate your form with other things. And that's when you start to get injured. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I just want to make you sure. You can't like use your muscles as efficiently as you should be able to. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter how strong you are. In my, in, my, in my case in swimming, you are not using the full potential of that muscle. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Now let's talk about the big toe because I have something very interesting I learned this week about the big toe. Yeah, the big toe. So extension. So if you sit... And you lean forward and you grab your big toes and you pull just the big toes, like you grab the toenail and underneath the toenail and you pull them towards your shin. So you're not bending your ankle, you're just lifting the big toes in the air. You should be able to have at least 30 degrees, which is hard to measure on yourself, but <laughs> it should be 30 degrees and should be equal. And if you don't have that, the whole propulsion and technique at the end when you drive off that leg can be completely messed up and it can really change how you run and you might have difficulty like running uphill you might have a lot of difficulty with like lunges like when the back leg if you yeah, do yeah. a reverse lunge with the right leg as the right leg goes back mm -hmm. and you try to extend your toe if it hurts it might be everybody thinks oh i think i have toe arthritis i had like a 30 year old tell me that the other day yeah i think your big toe is just a little bit grumpy and and stiff and not mobile and I just gave them some mobility exercises to work on the big toe. And then that, that was my next question, because if I re, if I go into YouTube, I sure I can have I can uh, find hip, knee and ankle mobility exercises. But toe exercises, what can I do to improve my yeah. big toe mobility? Even what I just described, like bending over and just lifting the big toes off the floor with your hands as far as you can go and down or you can sit like cross-legged like one ankle over your thigh and you just take your hand and you extend the big toes far as you can comfortably go and then you relax extend okay. and relax if it doesn't hurt you can get into the lunge position and come down and try to like make the big toe stretch as much as you can in that lunge um but some people that's too uncomfortable with weight bearing on it so they have to start with the seated ones okay there's these show in disney plus with Chris Hemsworth, his Thor. It's called Limitless. And he, it's like, I don't, I can't remember if it's six or eight episodes. And he does crazy shit in those episodes. And his, the whole goal is to live longer. He's obsessed with living longer. So he, there's this doctor called Peter Atia. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. And my wife and my daughter the other day found his book. And it's called Outlive. And it's all the research and super, it's like a thick, thick book about how to live longer. I'm not reading it. My wife is reading it. But the other one day she told me, oh, can you do this with your big toe? And I was like, what the heck are you talking about? Right? 
Well, the point is that there's research that the more mobility you have on your big toe, you're going to have better balance and a lot of the other improvements, and you can live longer if you have big toe mobility. Poor balance is one of the things that affects elderly people. So then they get nervous to leave the house to go for walks because they're afraid they're going to fall and they do less and then they're less active and that we all know what yeah. happens then. Yeah. Makes sense. Who, who could imagine that you need to focus on your big toe to run faster and live longer? But there yeah. you have it. <laughs> now, is there, okay, we, we do talk a lot about mobility, why runners should focus on mobility. Uh, you mentioned a few exercises you can do. Is there a point? where runners can focus or should focus on flexibility? I would say yes. Like if, so, okay, say there's a runner who's not super flexible. They're not like a Gumby yogi type person and they really enjoy yoga. It's super relaxing for them. Or they just really enjoy stretching after a long run for 15 minutes in their basement. And it's relaxing. Because we all know part of recovery, it's not just what you eat and, and how much you sleep. It's what do you do to kind of calm the brain down and relax and chill. Like for some, it's reading a good book. For others, it's putting on a yoga video or going to a yoga class. They, if you get a lot of enjoyment and relaxation through yoga and you feel like personally it helps you, I think you should do it. Okay. I don't think people should be stretching and doing yoga because they think it prevents injuries or makes them faster because it doesn't. But if it helps you relax and it feels good and you're not super flexible so your muscles aren't working harder, those people should do it. That would be fine. Um, the other people that should do it, if you've got really tight hip That's flex me. and quad, I feel, yeah, I, you need to do the modified Thomas test on you. And then we can, uh, we can post it as an example. Cause I wonder, I wonder how tight your hip flexors are. There's a test we can do and I'll, I'll take a picture of it or a video of it and post well, it. Yeah. On next tape. time, next time we do it, this podcast live, you use me as a dummy and we post that, yeah. those pictures. We'll, we'll check both sides. So basically yep. you basically like perch yourself on the edge of your bed and then you hug one knee to your chest and you lay down. So the other leg lays flat. And you see, like, can your hip straighten? Can your thigh touch the bed? Is your knee bent? So a positive test would mean your hip flexors are really tight, so the legs, like, hoisted up in the air. Yep. And then that means you probably can't get into hip extension when you're running. So these people should do something called a couch stretch. And I'll post that as well. So I'll, I'll do a post on both of those. But you should do the couch stretch to open up the hip to allow that range motion to happen at the end of the gait cycle basically yep um but yeah though that's probably the most important area to stretch like the calves the hamstrings you get a lot of runners coming in my hamstrings are so tight they're so tight often tightness is weakness in disguise and you stretch the hamstrings and it gives you temporary relief but then you go run again and they feel tight so i get people coming in like oh i just need to stretch them more and i'm like but you've been stretching them for years why are they still tight it, are they weak? And then we strength test them. They're weak. We strengthen them up and then the tightness starts to calm down. So it's like a perception. Just because something feels tight doesn't mean it is. So same with the calves. I get a lot of runners. My calves are so tight, but runners should be able to do single leg calf raises 20 times, like 20 good ones. Mm -hmm. And the same runner who's stretching their calf all the time because it feels tight can only do 10. 
It's like, well, maybe this calf isn't actually tight. And I'll often test them and it's not. And then we strengthen them and the tension goes away. So I think there's, there's a time and a place for stretching. If you enjoy it and you're not super flexible or if the hip flexors are tight, stretch. But if you don't enjoy it, don't worry about stretching. Um, and if you've got any tendon issues, because it's very clear in the research that often, not always, but often like an Achilles tendonitis or a glute tendonitis, hamstring tendonitis, stretching makes these things worse. Like the static stretching where you're holding it for a long period of that time. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That if you stretch a tendon that it's sore or injured, if you stretch it, you're going to injure it more. Yeah. That makes sense. So the conclusion yeah. may, let, correct me if I'm wrong, performance-wise or injury prevention-wise, there's no science research. There's nothing that says stretching is going to help unless it's something like in your hip flexors or in my case, also my back. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like you said before, I give people back mobility all the time, sometimes stretches, but more back mobility and, and it can really help. Yeah. I do yeah. both. I do a lot of stretching and mobility on my back and that really helps. I, I've been having back problems, I don't know, since, since I'm 15 years old. Uh, okay. So that, and when, if people are going to stretch, when can they stretch? Not before a run. That's super important. Yeah, that's a good question. You don't, if you do a long, so, and I should clarify when we say stretch, because some people will call A skips and B skips stretches and they oh, might yeah. be, it's like dynamic mobility. Maybe you can stretch it and call stretches and call it, call it a dynamic stretch. But we're talking about these static stretches where you hold a pose for like 30 seconds or more. Doing that before you run or before any sport can actually increase your injury risk and it can actually cause earlier fatigue in the muscle and tendon than there would have been if you didn't do that static stretch. Yep. So it should be like those years of where like everybody goes out onto the soccer field and before they touch a ball, they all sit and touch their toes and do the butterfly stretch and the glute stretches. Those days are gone or they should be because... We've known for a long time now, since I graduated physio school, which is 2009, that those prolonged stretches before activity aren't good. So you should do them after if you enjoy them. And I just thought of something I should clarify, like I treat people who like I have one runner who's also a hockey goalie. Okay. So I won't look at him and say, stretching is useless. Don't stretch at all. Because to be a hockey goalie, <laughs> you better be flexible or you're going to pull something or tear something when you drop down into these poses they get into. So when I say flexibility is important, is not important for performance and for injury prevention, I'm talking about running. Yep. If you think of a hurdler even, they're runners, but if you're a hurdler, you need to have good gluten hamstring flexibility to get your leg up over the hurdle. Yep. I would not do well with hurdles right now because my hamstring mobility, <laughs> not, my, my hamstring flexibility is not good. Um, but it, it's very specific to the sport. But if you're a long distance runner, flexibility is not as important as you probably think it is. Yeah, I think I think we've mentioned it like 10 times already today, but we're yeah. talking about stretching and mobility performance-wise for running, Yeah, right? There are a, a lot of different places where stretching is good for you, in my case, my back. Mm -hmm. But for if you want to improve your performance and you don't have an underlying cause of injury, the stretching is not going to help you achieve that. Yeah. Um, when can people... Do mobility. When do you suggest do mobility? 
mobility pre it's a great way to warm up before a run especially if you've been like sitting around all yep. morning working from home like a skips b skips uh high knees bum kicks the grapevines the these are great mobility exercises where you get motor control and muscle engagement but you're not totally gassing the muscles so you just prime them yep. for your run whether it's easy or hard uh I, I think I, I learned this in a Matt Fitzgerald book that they did a study. And if you do this mobility routine, A skips, B skips, grapevines, butt kicks, all of that before a workout, it's not only going to help you on the long run to have a better running economy. On that specific day that you did the, the routine, you're going to improve your running economy. So that's a great way to do it. I usually, I do mobility every day in the morning. No, it keeps a little more passive, not passive, but not that, not jumping and hopping. Yeah. Uh, I have my 10 minute mobility routine that I do every, not every day, but six times a week. You should uh, video that and we can post it. Cause I feel like you've mentioned that a few times and people yeah. might be like, give us your routine. Let, yeah. let steal your secrets. It's not a secret. It's just, it's something I've been doing for years and I, it, it really helps me to to release like my back and my hips and from one from from running, especially when I'm running late at night or in, in the afternoon, and then I go to sleep. It's like you just put your body into a much so much stress, and then you go to sleep, and you, then you don't move your body for eight hours. So you and you wake up like I wake up super stiff, uh, and I do and I do that. Um, and the other one, uh, there's another thing. The, the person that taught me this, this routine was a chiropractor. And he told me that when you this, do this routine, you like release all the tension and in your, in your spine. So it's like having like a cup of coffee because like you have a burst of energy because suddenly all the pathways from your brain to your muscles are released and you like have like a burst of energy. And in my case, I found it true. Uh, and then before, my video two max workouts, I usually run three kilometers and then spend five, 10 minutes doing a skip, B skips, butt kicks, grapevine, yeah. everything. And then I do my speed session. And I, when I do them, I feel like I can run faster. Obviously, everyone that listens to this podcast on a regular basis knows that I'm, I, I really believe in mindset and what you can achieve. And so it puts me, other than the research that shows that your running economy improves when you do this, I think mentally I feel more more prepared to do it. So yeah. there are different ways to do this mobility thing. Is. Um, okay. Okay. Anything else? You, I think we covered a lot. Yeah. Hopefully it wasn't too overwhelming for people. Hopefully. Anything? I want to mention one thing. Sometimes, do you do sometimes at the podcast and we have like this overall theme that we want to to say but there's one thing that you say i hope runners can listen to this because those uh, those like nuances that you do uh because uh, last week's episode about the 5k i really think that cleaning up your diet it's a big a big improvement we're not talking about losing weight just cleaning up your diet yeah. and deborah post that on a comment in the chasing prs episode uh, instagram that, oh i love that part and it it makes me, it made me so happy that someone caught that part that it's super important 
to me at least. And I think that's just little tweaks that can really help over the long run. So I'm just happy that she got it. Yeah, that's awesome. And we love feedback like that because it, yeah. it makes us smile. So let's end the episode with what do you think, Ron, if, if, if I, in one minute, if someone just listened to this last part of the episode, what's the one thing you want them to remember? I think mobility in general is more important than flexibility. For running performance. For running performance. But if you really enjoy yoga or doing stretching because it feels good and it's relaxing, go for it. Just be aware that if you get really loose and flexible, you're harming your running economy. So you have to choose what was more important to you. Yeah. And we didn't talk about this, but if you are going to spend one hour doing yoga, in our opinion, if you listen to the previous 39 episodes of the Chasing PR podcast, there's a million ways better to spend your time if you want, as always, to run faster. Yeah. If you have other goals, that's awesome. But if your goal is to run faster, there are a million different ways that you can use your time than trying to be more flexible. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's great. Uh, thanks a lot, as always, for listening. Keep posting those comments. We love to see them. I love to. I, I love. I love when when people comment on one very specific thing about the podcast. It's like they really paid attention, and our time is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, have an awesome week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you love it, give it a share. Please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And visit chasingprs.run for all the latest episodes, get our free newsletter and all the cool running stuff we have there. Thanks for joining.